0: Hello and welcome back to How to PhD, episode number 23. This week we're going to be talking about research proposals, what they are and how to write them. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host Julia. Hello. And this week uh, we are talking about research proposals. Right, Julia?
1: Yes, and there are basically formal documents that say what you want to research, why it's worth investigating, and how you're going to investigate it. And there are several reasons why you might want to do a um, research proposal, right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, in many times a PhD position might ask for this right if they're advertised positions Mm. or even if they're advertised positions that have funding involved it's Mm. kind of part of the application process to show that you're a strong candidate uh but also on the other side it might be that they need to get funding. Um, And of course, during your PhD or after the PhD, you might be looking for additional funding or scholarships or fellowships, uh, and they will often ask for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, in this episode, we've got four key tips, which will hopefully give you a good start to writing your research proposal. A little reminder, if you need a little bit of extra help with writing your research proposal or any other things to do with your PhD, that you can sign up now to our new How to PhD one-to-one service at our website at howtophd.show, where you can book a direct session with either myself or Julia. uh, And we are offering a first free sort of zero commitment, 30-minute trial session, which you can sign up to uh, at our website, so do do take advantage of that uh, and we're excited to get to talk to you. So yeah. let's get started with the episode and the first key tip is around understanding why we need your research. So our first key tip is around really understanding or getting across in your proposal why we need your research, right? And I guess the biggest section of that, Julia, that gets that across in a in a research proposal is the background.
1: Exactly. So I think it's really... Um worth spending a lot of time with that bit because the person who will read it if they're not interested in that bit, they might not continue reading Mm, it um so it's really important to get that bit right so to kind of explain what the problem is that your research is going to address um and um so why the research is important also why it's important now are there maybe any policies in place or something that make it quite urgent um and what yeah what evidence is there to support your case like um why what what else and research is is there to support that we need that research really
0: exactly yeah and i think usually sort of the you know to give a few examples uh you know you mentioned kind of why now Mm. and if we take electric cars for example in the uk that there's this policy shift coming that from 2030 all new sales of cars are, are, have to be electric or low-emission vehicles. Um, then that's that's a pretty good reason why you would have uh, research on electric cars, and that's a really good foundation for a research proposal. Uh, for yours, it was around uh, kind of the pressure on the National Health Service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then therefore, by providing healthcare in pharmacies, that we can reduce that pressure. So so really think about what's the why now, and what's the what's the real problem? Mm. And I think often the place you go to first i guess is the is the literature um
1: yeah exactly i would yeah start with um having a look what's there in the literature or even a newspaper articles um what's there, also maybe what kind of um, funding calls are out there at the moment. So that shows like which topics are hot at the moment. (laughs) So it's really interesting. And um, another way um, we could then start or we could go to is um, to do public involvement. And maybe if you need more information about that, maybe we can have another episode Mm, on that eventually. But um, basically it's... um, just bringing members from the public together and um, that could be online or in really like a room like where you present your plan that you have for your research and then you just get a feeling whether that research is interesting to members of the public and if you can put that into your research proposal to show you already were running an event and people ma- oh public what public members of the public No, <laughs> well, that's hard to say oh my god um <laughs> um that they um, are interested in your research, that can also strengthen your case, I think. Um, so also worth yeah. considering, definitely. Absolutely.
0: And I think it's really great where there isn't a whole lot of literature available. Yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this was something that a lot of, uh, of our listeners actually emailed, you know, what do I do in a situation where, you know, this is a new field mm-hmm. and there isn't a whole lot out there. Um, yeah, public involvement. And, and literally, as you said, it, what it involves is kind of, showing your research to members of the public and then essentially just asking them what they think of it, right? And and but it doesn't need to be a formal kind of data. Yeah, you collection, don't need ethics no. for
1: that. It's not data collection really. Um yeah, it's important to distinguish that. It's not doing research, but it's just like getting feel for basically yeah. whether there's an interest in it.
0: In your research proposal you would write, Hey look, I talked to seven or eight people mm-hmm. members of the public and they said th- they said it was a, a good yeah, idea to do this sense, so yeah. really really useful technique which i Think I never took advantage of but it's mm-hmm. very useful uh, especially where there isn't a whole lot of literature yeah. and of course uh, talking to stakeholders or potentially getting stakeholders involved and so mm-hmm. these are people who might be uh, more directly involved in the project either in terms of kind of a financial commitment or in terms of kind of getting the data that you're going to be collecting from yeah this.
1: or even just giving feedback on your the data or something um, that well. and uh, what i mean here so you could for example um like if you pick the example of pharmacies again let's say you want to do research on pharmacies and then you might get uh, different um, chain pharmacy chains or individual pharmacies to say look i'm planning this research is that beneficial for you and um so you can demonstrate but there's an, an impact in industry. So if the farms are saying, yeah, we're really interested and we're going to write you a letter of support um, that we're interested in your findings and we were happy to kind of meet with you every couple of months to see what you have been up to and to give you some feedback on on what we think is important to research that can be really really um strengthen your p- application as well or research. It'll, it'll, it'll,
0: effectively from them getting a sort of letter of support right?
1: yeah i think that will be good to demonstrate at the beginning and then also yeah when, when you um, kind of make your plan to make sure that you have stakeholder meetings or something integrated in your plan
0: yes that's right and in terms of contacting them i guess you would just kind of get in touch with them over email or or potential stakeholders it can be a little bit daunting i guess going up to these kind of big Uh, Yeah, industry partners. Start
1: small, so you can start with the pharmacy next door in in that example. But um, or try if you already have a network um, at your university. um, Maybe your supervisors can help you establish some contacts. Um, But I think yeah, be brave. Just you don't know if you contact people, they might just uh, respond and just try it.
0: I think another useful tool in this is like LinkedIn because you can see you know potentially if one of the people who who works at one of these potential stakeholders Mm. has a a background working at a university which quite often they do they might understand a little bit more why you're doing the research Mm. and what the whole kind of academic process is about so that's another you might want to get in touch with them directly and say i'm doing this you know what, what would you think would be some kind of support potentially uh so I think the point with this tip is that you know really emphasise why you need the research, but also that there is there are more options than just the literature and there's a lot of really powerful stuff that you can do like public involvement and getting a letter of support from stakeholders uh, that can be just as effective as having a lot of really in-depth literature. So now that you've covered off kind of why you need the research, uh, then you've got to show why you are the right person to do it. So once you've established why there's the need for your research, you've then got to establish why you are the right person to do it. And there are many different ways to show this. And I guess the first kind of really traditional way is the CV, right, or the resume
1: exactly and again yeah if you'd like an episode on that maybe can go into more depth like how to to do a um, good cv um but yeah you should present of course current and previous employments and your education that makes you a good candidate any trainings that you you did that you think might um help your case um, and the publications that you have already of course don't worry if you're just starting a PhD nobody is expecting you to have any publications um, but any awards that you might have um, received in the past um, yeah, and we should right. mention
0: at this point that if you feel like you don't have all the training you need, and we're going to talk about this in the next section, that there are ways to, exactly, kind of yeah. to overcome because that. Because I think
1: sometimes you have a really good idea, but you think, oh, I don't really have the background mm-hmm. for it. But I think if you have a good idea and you are passionate about the topic, there are always kind of ways to... Mm, tweak your cv or like show your strength that you have that will allow you to apply your skills to different topics yeah. for example no so doubt. i think yeah don't shy away from that and yeah we have some tips later on as well I think. yes um how if you if you think you're not obviously the right candidate there are other ways that you can implement But there's, yeah. there's always a way there's always <laughs> a way around yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and of course In addition to the CV or resume, you've got perhaps something that like a a personal statement, right, which is Mm -hmm. is often uh, kind of more focused on your sort of motivation rather than your kind of, um, how you'd say, kind of quantitative experience. (laughs) This is more kind of the sort of intrinsic stuff, like Mm -hmm. why do you want to do what you're going to do? And that's often a very powerful thing. and of course, just like a job application, references from supervisors. Yeah, or right? sometimes
1: from the host organization. So for some fellowships that you want to apply to after the PhD, sometimes they want um, um, yeah, a statement from the organization that is where you will um, conduct your research. But that depends, of course, you have to have a look um, what exactly the requirements are if yeah. it's a specific um, research proposal that yeah, you're writing. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I guess all of the things that we focused on so far are kind of your sort of historical background, right? Mm. It's the stuff that you have right now. But actually, another thing that a lot of funders might be very interested in knowing is what, if you got this funding, what's the impact on your career? You know, what what is it going to do for you both, again, on a kind of practical career level, but also for you personally, I think is very, uh, really powerful. And that's something you kind of made use of in, in some of your research proposal applications.
1: Yeah. So for the um, application that I'm planning at the moment that do you have a section on like, please describe like how this will impact your career. And I think they just probably want to make sure that their money is well spent in the way that you have a long term interest and in, yeah. in um, providing your expertise like in the future as well. Mm. Um, But it won't be always required, but yeah, just keep an eye on that.
0: Definitely worth uh, putting that in Mm. there. Um, So again, you know, just like in the previous section, you've got the kind of traditional CV and and personal statement stuff, but also yeah, getting references from supervisors or stakeholders um, who might know you. And also this kind of idea that you would uh, emphasize what's coming in the future, all very powerful tools to show why you're the right candidate uh, for this uh, particular funding or whatever you're applying for. So now that you've kind of covered those two things, uh, you've then got to show what your plan is and what you need to complete it. So how do you go about showing your plan and, and what you need to complete it? So again, you know, this is something that it's important to look at the funding call and understand if they have particular uh, headings and things that they want to look for. But generally, the kind of content that people look for or that you should include in in the research proposal is often very, very similar. Uh, And you should use that. That includes sort of a kind of aim and sort of description of kind of your methodology.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the design methods used, so how you will collect data and how you will analyze data. Um, if you or whether you will implement public involvement in your project or stakeholder consultations, so that should all be described as succinct and um, yeah, concise and quite clearly laid out. I think always keep in mind that the person who's going to um, or might be reviewing your research proposal might not be an expert in the method, so it has to be like enough for someone who doesn't have a background in a certain method um, to to understand it. But of course, you still have to keep it keep it quite short, which is, I think, the challenging bit to just get that bit right. Yeah,
0: you know? and I think, again, that's, that's an important distinction between writing your method for a research proposal versus your method for like a thesis chapter. It's really, yes, mm. go into the detail about what you're going to do. Uh, but at the same time, it's got to be understandable and it's got to use mm. that kind of clear lay language uh, a lot of the time but again pay attention to the funding call know who's going to be reviewing it if they are experts in your field then you might have more kind of leeway there Um, and I guess uh, Judy the, the sort of main thing or the first goal with creating the plan is often students can feel Um, potentially a little bit lost about where to start right Mm. because it's it's pretty daunting to begin to plan what you're going to do with this money Um, but I guess a a good place to start is to just create your kind of best ideal case scenario
1: yeah so I think dream big (laughs) at the beginning so if you think you have that research question what do you think would be in an ideal world the best way to explore that research Mm -hmm. question Um, and yeah just just put maybe like just draw it on, on a piece of paper or something, your ideas and brainstorm. Just, yeah, then have a look maybe online how other people um, explore similar questions to yours. And um, then I think once you have your best case scenario plan, research yeah. plan, I think then it's time, of course, to consider the practical factors that come in. <laughs> so, yeah, um, like... Will you need ethics for your project? And um, how long will it take to get these ethics? Um, which trainings? And we talked about. You mentioned that before, Aaron, right? That sometimes um, you think the best way to explore um, your research question is to use a certain method where you don't have experience yet, which might like weaken initially this. Um, what we talked about and why you're the right candidate. But then, if you outline clearly that you will um, obtain really good training on this method and, and um, find
0: some courses right yeah and, and exactly so some, you you yeah. put
1: the effort in to find a good course where you know after i've done that i will be able to do that by myself um, and yeah you also have to think about how much time do you require for um for your project and i think if your uh, dream is to do 10 years research but the funding's only for one year then you have to um like tweak your plan like what do you think is the most urgent thing where to start and um so maybe you have to cut down your ideas a little bit and um just focus on a specific part of it and um, then you have to think about the budget and I think that can be very tricky yeah. especially if you um, have never done that before or
0: um I mean you that that was I think for both of us we had to do that in both of our research proposals that we submitted and it's really difficult because mm-hmm. they'll ask for things like how much is your time worth and things like that and Mm -hmm. for that that, that's can be impossible to know so get help Help from your financial department
1: again if you just if you're applying or doing a research proposal for your phd phd often i think you don't have to make a budget plan i think most people don't i did have to do it um for my project but i got then help um, from my supervisors and that was when i already just started that at the beginning had to make a budget plan but yeah definitely get help from financial departments because that can be really difficult and tricky to do and um it might take a little bit of time for the financial department to like review your plan and get get the quote together um so yeah you have to spend a bit of
0: and time it should be there. worth noting that you know if you're not sure who to contact in terms of those things then do ask your supervisor because it's it's likely that their, their role will be in a situation where they need to be in be bringing funding into Mm. the university and so they will 100 percent know who the people are to talk to when it comes to this kind of stuff so do ask your supervisor or get in touch with the financial Mm. department but you
1: can speed it up with the budget i think if you just list every single thing that you will you think you will need for your research for be it vouchers for your participants or the training course if you look up um on a website or something how much for example, how much money the training costs and um, put a link to that website where you want to do the course. So then that can help the financial department as well to make it quicker to get the budget plan together. Absolutely. And then sometimes another tip. So sometimes you might um, conduct training yourself to be trained in a certain method, for example, but you can also try um, to get other people on board with your um, research proposal and, and add them onto people who will support you and work with you so let's say you don't have experience in a third method but your colleague does and is happy to work with you on your research then you can put them down and again that will just show your funder oh they thought about yeah. what they need to complete their plan and they've identified the right people exactly and,
0: and, and this is the whole process right you're taking that best case scenario and you you're not losing the core of what mm. you dreamt of doing yeah. but you're essentially just adding this layer of realism which is really what the funders that's what you're you're trying to Mm. convince them that if they give you this money that that you know what you're doing and and you've got an idea and and support around you to make Mm. it happen um and I think also just one last thing is as and you kind of alluded to this at the beginning of this section is is to look at what other people are doing, right? And, and ask current PhD students because chances are maybe they wrote a research proposal to get to their position, mm-hmm. um, or of course sign up to How to PhD one to one and get some direct <laughs> help from other <laughs> people. Very very H- cheeky, Aaron, <laughs> <yeah>. but yeah, <laughs> of course you can. Contact um, us, yeah. But no, I think I think that's the mm-hmm. you know getting experience from people who have gone uh, or getting advice from people mm-hmm. who have done this uh, is really I think one of the most effective ways. Of really refining this plan. And, you know, I think to summarize this point and kind of what it all boils down to is really don't shy away from contacting people um, either within your university or at other universities as well.
1: Yeah, know? so for one um, of the funding applications or research proposals, um, I w- knew that one university has like a lot of expertise and the kind of area that I wanted to explore in my research and uh yeah i just contacted them not expecting really for them to come back but they did and yeah that's great um i think yeah i have to think yourself like would you like someone to be to contact you to ask if you would like to involve probably yes right so that's true for yourself then and that might also be true for others so just try it
0: yeah Yeah. that's 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 absolutely true you never know you never know right (laughs) um So now that you've got your plan and you've shown that you're the right candidate and you know exactly why you're doing your research, then perhaps one of the key points is around demonstrating what the impact of your work is going to be. So let's talk about how you're going to demonstrate the impact. And by this, we really mean how you how are you going to spread the word of what exactly. you're doing and how are you are going to disseminate findings your findings? And mm. this is, again, a really important thing that funders are going to want to see because, again, they don't want this money to go into, you know, the greatest project in the world and then it just stay in a siloed bubble and, and not be shared. So this is really important that, that funders want to see what's your plan for getting it out there. Uh, and, of course, some of the kind of... Key things that usually in academic contexts that people aim for are things like journals, right, mm-hmm. and and kind of having a conference or journal publication yeah. plan. Um, and Julie, so you had some experience on sort of ha- how do you plan for which journals you're going to submit to, and I guess it's trying to find some that you know and just say, look, I've looked at this journal and it would seem like it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, like you can look at the um, impact factor of journals. I think just again to make sure, yeah. That demonstrate that you have the intention to for your research to have a high impact to find good journals and in, in the area and um, i think journal finder is like one journal of find, the yeah. Yeah. resources like where you can um yeah put in like a title for example that a future paper might have and then you can get ideas maybe for some of the journals that might be a good fit um conferences again i think um just googling like main yeah. conferences in your field and asking supervisors colleagues for that um
0: and the nice thing about conferences is that they will usually have um deadline uh, mm. deadlines for submission and so that can help define your plan and might give you some kind of early dates to aim for when you're kind of presenting the yeah. plan um, and then of course there's the sort of kind of less traditional less academic routes like creating practical guidance right? I think
1: they're so important actually yeah. so but often I think the problem is in research proposals people will only say I will create like practical guidance or for practice to be used but then they don't say like how they will actually re- reach the right people so I think so, it's not before enough
0: we, before we get to that so what yeah. do we mean by practical guidance? Oh, So
1: that you say based on for example your research findings that you translate them into practical recommendations so for example in my pharmacies um, for example in my PhD let's say I find um, that we need I don't know, more consultation rooms or whatever in, in pharmacies. Um, and then it's not good enough for me to have that recommendation, right? Because it will just sit there. So then, um, really in your research proposal, how you would get it to pharmacy. So for example, will you have a webinar where loads of pharmacies can take part and there you share your idea of how they can improve practice or, um, yeah, like, Um, maybe their organizations or charities like who will profit of receiving your results um that is what you should think about I think
0: yeah exactly and you know you we, we mentioned some kind of uh those sound you're very kind of specific stakeholder kind of scenarios where Mm -hmm. you're you know you're going direct to pharmacies and you can do kind of engagement with those but also you can engage with the general public as well right and you can do something like public engagement where you're sharing your findings with the general public who might not have a direct connection to your research but they might have an interest and this Mm -hmm. is this is important because it's it's disseminating science to the to the wider public yeah and
1: often it's tax money as well that is is I guess yeah. um, <laughs> allowing used, yeah. you to do that research, it's so it's uh, like just fair to share it with the public what you have been doing, what the money is being used for, and yeah, like if festivals like Pint of Science, for example, or Data are great events um, where you can where it's already organized and you can just be a speaker and um, yeah present your research there. Yeah. So I think really nice initiatives in the UK it, it, and abroad. I think database and science are both, I think, yeah, they are in other countries and internationally. There, there well. are
0: a lot of these kinds of. Um science festival Mm. events so do you know get involved with them and 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 put them down in your proposal as places that you want to uh, Mm. disseminate your work and um, so again we mentioned stakeholders that that you signed up as well so that your direct Mm. partners uh, Mm. and what kind of how could you disseminate within them so for example my PhD was disseminated um, of course I had to write academic documents Mm. but also There were industrially styled written documents, which are like very concise, kind of more technical documents, which I gave to then uh, to to Jaguar Land Rover. And so that was that's a great example of stakeholder dissemination. Right. And you're giving it to Mm. your partner uh, to be able to use within their organization.
1: Yeah, definitely. And think one final thing is that not to forget about the media as well and social media where you could um, disseminate your research so for example for the project where we got funding from the Coventry City of Culture um, I think you also yeah got funding from them and what we did is that we um, actually created a video of our findings research findings so we collaborated with artists and they then were developing a video uh, which I thought cool. yeah was the yeah. first time I did that and I think it was really nice um to see your research findings translated into um, a little artistic video. And that was being shared through BBC as well. So yeah, just um, think creatively as well about it. And um, that can make a nice local impact as well sometimes if you involve local artists, I think it's really nice.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's wrap this up with some final tips for your research proposal adventures. So let's talk about some final research proposal tips. So I guess number one is really think about a plain English summary, okay? And think about if that's required, right? And so that someone who's not an expert can understand your plan. Um, And I think the key thing with the title is also that it's concise and show your proposed research um, and importantly, to not use any abbreviations.
1: Yeah. And then I think another thing is to get a proofread because... um, the people who are receiving research proposals will get loads of proposals yeah. and i think if you if it doesn't look professional and um, then they might already kick you out because it's quite competitive sometimes yeah. especially if it's um around fellowships um so yeah just go that extra mile and ask someone to proofread it for you or proofread yourself
0: yeah it, it would just be really tragic if that's the reason your application mm. gets rejected um so plan in a lot of time so that yeah proofreading does take a lot of time so but also plan that into yeah i think for the whole plan like writing the
1: whole plan it can take a lot of time i mean you you would think maybe writing methods maybe that's a bit more straightforward but it's all the extra things like if you want to have um if you want to strengthen your application through stakeholder involvement or public involvement that all takes extra time and as you said making the budget plan and you might tweak your plan so yeah yeah I, <laughs> don't start like a week before the funding call or, and
0: yeah. As, yeah, especially if you have other people to contact you know don't assume that they'll get back to you the next exactly, day it can yeah. sometimes take a week for some people to reply And ask to other things. people
1: how much time they they need it for yeah. a specific um research proposal to write it to get a feel because it can really vary absolutely
0: A very useful tip is to get involved in other people's research proposals to get experience
1: yeah so i think when you're doing your phd and your supervisors they i think often are very busy with writing grant applications and research proposals and will be very happy i think for you to be involved um but i think it's just good to yeah get some practice and some experience um on how how research proposals look like
0: yeah and i think that all ties into you know asking people for examples of their previous research proposals as well Um, so hopefully this episode has given you plenty of tips that you can now take forward into all of your wonderful future research proposals So thank you so much for listening to another episode of How To PhD, shout out to Laura who supported us over on Buy Me A Coffee and also for giving us this episode idea on research proposals and of course shout out to all the other listeners who have supported us on Buy Me A Coffee uh, and left really heartwarming comments, uh, really incredible. Uh, If you're able to support the show then we appreciate all the support you can get either through donations or over on Buy Me A Coffee or by leaving a review on apple podcasts and of course if you know of someone who you think could benefit from this episode on research proposals then please do share this with them uh, we'd love to hear from you email is contact at how twitter and instagram at how to um, show nearly <laughs> 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 forgot the, the handle there um, and huge thanks to jobs.ac.uk who continue to support us and a lot of the things that we mentioned today like cvs and uh writing research proposals they have some very good guidance there over on their website. So do check them out. Next week, Julia, what are we going to be covering?
1: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about how to supervise students. Um, And I think it can be quite daunting for us because you feel you're just a student yourself. How should you supervise other students? Um, So hopefully we can give you some good tips on that.
0: Yes, exactly. It's that process of almost going from being supervised to being a supervisor, which can be a very exciting transition. So Thank you again, take care and we'll see you all next week.